Yeah, the writers in that interview talked about how when they were, before they had changed the musical name from Feeling Electric to Next to Normal, the show was mostly about, like, the diagnosis and the treatment and all of that, but then they realized that the show, the show became better when they stopped trying to talk just about the diagnosis and just talked about the people involved in the in the story hello and welcome to episode 40 of theater nerds i'm your host rachel jones and i'm your other host taylor reed theater nerds is a podcast about our obsessions with theater where we will explore all aspects of theater musicals and everything in between This podcast is not set up to be a deep dive into technique or theater history, but we're hopeful that no matter if you're an enthusiast like us, or if you've only seen your coffee shop's production of The Children of Eden Jr., you'll enjoy this podcast. So cue the orchestra and come nerd out with us. In case you guys didn't know, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. That's right. You can also leave us a star rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's right. To find out more about the Theater Nerd Cult, check us out at theaternerdpod.com or you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Theater Nerd Pod and on Facebook at Theater Nerd Podcast. In today's episode, we're discussing Next to Normal. Uh, Rachel, how's it going? Hi. We're here. It's going. We're here. Yeah, episode we're here. 40, Taylor. Guys, it's, no- I know, I know, episode 40. It's crazy. I just, we can't, just we can't handle know. ourselves, you guys. We're just, this, this podcast episodes are older than we are. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it passed our, I guess well, combined is, well, no, no not combined. Not. Okay, we're not there. We're not there yet. <laughs> guys no what time is it who knows um, <laughs> yeah, it's also november funny. which is i don't know about you but oh man my God, it's wild it's weird almost 2023 yeah. oh, um, say that. i just fe- i just <laughs> the other day literally rem- i put october like 2020 Oh, good. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What am I doing? Yeah. What is so my... I still think it's 2020. Just blame your um, hand. Don't blame your brain. <laughs> <laughs> so 2023, maybe it'll be better because there's less twos and we can add something. Yeah, else. I always, you know, this is a real side tension that we're going on before we start, you know, get into the, the deep dive we're talking about. Oh, but it. you all know already what show we're going to talk about. At this point, Rachel is still in the dark, which is fun. So I'm, maybe I'll just I, keep. I love when we record it and we don't I'll just know. keep stringing her along. Um, I always think about. that. I always keep thinking about like in 2010, like the glasses at the New Year's Eve. Like there's glasses, oh, and yeah. I always was like, "What are they gonna like do 2000. at <laughs> at you know 2022 or whatever or 2020?" I always was like, "It's just gonna be too chunky," and it actually doesn't look bad for those that <laughs> for those that wanted to know. <laughs> See photo on our Instagram story yeah, yeah, yeah. about 2023 glasses. 
Because <laughs> if anybody knows, I love a good party. So and yeah. decorations and everything. So New Year's really decorations are always so fun. I always get the napkins and the plates and the glasses mm-hmm. and the yeah, so fun. Here's what I like about New Year's decorations is that you can reuse a lot of them mm. for the Tony Awards because it's the same color pattern. It's true. <laughs> is gold. It is sparkly. There are stars. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I love. And we, that's how we bring it back. That's how we bring it back to theater nerds. <laughs> right there. Right there. Um, guys, today's our deep dive. I feel like it's been a while. I mean, I guess the, what was the last one? We, we did Sue School. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously the classic <laughs> masterpiece, the highly it's regarded. It's been more than a month. Yeah. 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 So it's been, and it's also been a minute since I picked a show. So, yeah. um, true this show i think i don't know if i can hype it up enough it is ah. i will say one of my favorite shows of all time oh boy. it is i'm nervous it is a, a cl- i i honestly Maybe I, I I don't know. Sometimes I like the term instant classic, but I feel like it truly is like an instant classic. Okay, I feel <laughs> like I know just, what it is now. Just one that no, I actually don't think you know what it is. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so scared. <laughs> so anyway, Guys, I for tried the, for the people at home. I get so nervous yeah. when I don't know what it is because I'm like yeah. terror. It's like your worst nightmare where you're yeah. standing in front of a bunch of people and. And you're told to, it's like Akila and the, the bee where I'm going to mess up. That's what this is. You're and comparing yourself to Akila right now. <laughs> no. Shout out, shout out Kiki Palmer. Gosh, we love Kiki. Yeah. Oh, love Kiki. Um, mm-hmm. Kiki was not in this show, I will say. Um, <laughs> okay, great. Although I would love that. <laughs> Duffin? Anyone? Um, anyone? Yeah. Uh, this... Class. Yeah, so we for the for the listeners at home just to set the scene, I tried to we've been using a new for the past maybe two months like a new um, recording software, and I tried to get the audio to work so I could share it with Rachel, but it did not work. So anyway, I'm doing it on my phone, which we've done before, and hopefully you guys will be able to hear this. But I'm gonna try and hide my screen so you guys. So anyway, here is the show, Rachel. Are you ready? No. I don't need a life that's normal. No! <laughs> I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Wait, here we go. Here we go. Something next to there it is. Uh, there it is. I'm crying. Yeah, something. All right, we're talking about next to normal. Immediately emotional. Wow. N to N. N to N. I know. Ugh, guys. Wow. I. Again. I didn't want to show my cards early. Top three shows of all time for me. I just want yeah. to lay that. I just I want to mean, put that out there. For sure. So, and I will, you know, just to start off some things by, uh, right off the back. Next to Normal is an American rock musical book and lyrics written by Brian Yorkey and Tom Yorkie. Kitt. Yes. Um, this show premiered off-Broadway in t- 2008 it premiered on Broadway in 2009, so it has been over 10 years, almost, um, you know, we're coming up on 15, I think, right? Is that 15 this year? It, or, I don't know. What? What's math? math, whatever. 2008? Is yeah. that what you said? 2009 is when it premiered on Broadway. 
So I literally just put 2022 in my right. 2020 in my thing. <laughs> right, right. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Broadway production um, opened in 2009, and it ran for 738 performances, closing so on short. two. Uh, yeah, too short. You're right. Short, closing yeah. on January 16, um, 2011. The musical uh, went on to be nominated and we'll talk about this for 11 tony awards it won three tony awards but it also won the 2010 pulitzer prize for drama uh, becoming the eighth musical in history to receive the honor now i believe it i believe now it's 11 because hamilton has won that a strange loop won it and then i think one more i think one more but i can't remember it off maybe it's 10 maybe it's 10 uh anyway what an incredible show and i don't know about you i was talking about this with my wife before i was like yeah we're gonna talk about next normal and And she cried and she also loves the show because we (laughs) it is a show that we both will put on you know we'll put on long car rides and stuff and i was like i don't know why but the show also kind of feels like 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 fall for some reason like mm-hmm. fall or winter or like like i don't know why so i was Definitely like i feel winter. like yeah yeah i feel like it's like a good time of the year to yeah. talk about this show um but yeah i'm excited what are your what so tell us excited. your so we yeah i know we both have seen this show um yeah. what are your over like tell me what you love about next normal <laughs> I mean, oh, there's a lot. We're gonna a, get into. I know we're gonna do a get into a lot, but just tell me your overall general thoughts about the show. Yeah, I mean, where do I even begin? Where I does it begin? I agree, Taylor. When when people, so people like to ask me, what what's your favorite musical? And that's just an absolutely rude question right. to ask because yeah. how could you possibly yeah. narrow it down? Who's in this your favorite universe? child? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's like, okay. So yeah. I often, I have five, uh, five go-to categories. And one is like currently playing on Broadway. One is movie musicals. One is um, like cla- like old-time classics. Right, right. And, um, and then I always, yeah. And then, then I always say next to normal. No matter, like next to normal is its own category. It's always in there. I, it's just stand apart. Yep. It's standalone. It is obviously not currently running on broadway but yep. it is just so good it, it will mm-hmm. be the show that i will always tell people is one of my favorites so it's always in my top five no matter what those other shows are yeah and i i don't really know what my first memory is of this musical i know i, I was trying to think of that yeah i know i know i know that it revolves around aaron today i know right. it does um so at some point the music was able to be bought on apple music i Mm -hmm. think on itunes what was that itunes right and um i saved up enough money to buy three of the songs and my friend saved up enough money to buy a few of the songs. Mm-hmm. My other friend saved enough money to buy a few <laughs> of the songs. And together, we downloaded the songs onto a CD and then illegally shared it. Loved it. With each other so that we had all of the songs. Right. And I remember also, um, at this point... In 2009? Like, this was 2009? 
Whenever the music was able to right. be streamed, and it was before the U.S. tour in 2010, so it was before yeah. 2010. Okay. Um, yeah. And and I want to say that there are a lot of bad words in this show. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, and I remember, and it, it's just like heavy contact. It's heavy. Yeah. It's heavy contact. Yeah. Um, and I remember having feeling like, even though my parents are listening to this now and are like, what? <laughs> I felt right. like I had to like turn down the volume when they like in the first song there's an f word in the recording. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I felt like I had to turn down the volume and I will never forget which I hope we talk about more. I forced my mom to go with me and my friend Catherine to um see the tour mm-hmm. in 2010 which had Alice and, Ripley in it. Which, which had Alice yeah. Ripley and Emma Hunt and so we'll talk right. about that later. Right. But the my mom had no idea what we were going to see. I don't think she... I don't... Did she Google it? I don't even know. We'll have to ask right. her. I don't even think right. she Googled it. The first song is insane. Yep. And like I said, lots of bad words and lots mm-hmm. of heavy and explicit kind of content. Not like in a bad way, but she talks yeah. about sex and everything. And yeah. I was going to say one of the first lines that Diana says is, I'm going to have sex with your father. <laughs> yeah. We're in eighth grade. We're sitting... I remember we're sitting in this break between the back orchestra and the front orchestra right at the... Mm-hmm. And my mother looks at me, and she just looks at me and says, "What?" <laughs> and uh, I, I, she just was not prepared. She had no idea. And meanwhile, you know, Catherine Amazing. and I knew everything. Right. But yeah, yeah. What was your first memory of the show? You know, I was trying to think of it before we were recording, and I think it was. It must. I think I. Um, Kyle Dean Massey is an actor, and he replaced. Slash, I think he also understudied Aaron Tveit, but he replaced Aaron Tveit. And um, he did a Broadway.com vlog series, which we will link in the show notes because it's, it's incredible. It is so good. Um, and I think like a lot of the original people were st- still there, like Jennifer Damiano and Brian, um, Adam Chandler Barrett. And um, I, th- I don't know if Alex Ripley was still there, but... Um, uh, Bobby Spencer a lot of them were still there so he was doing this vlog and I remember that but I remember so this was around 2010 2011 I was doing I was in a weight management program I don't know if Rachel you remember this I don't remember yeah. this actually um you know we don't have to talk about my past trauma it's fine hashtag trauma and um <laughs> anyway but I would I remember like going to this gym a couple days a week and listening to this show and Mm. like I don't know it's just very and at the time I actually related most to Natalie at the time like that was Mm. the character that I latched onto a lot of her lyrics were like very just like I resonated with a lot Mm -hmm. um at the time so yeah, loved this show. I do remember being like, oh, yeah, this show does have a lot of efforts in it. I, should I be listening to this? Who knows? But uh, yeah. now it's just so, so, such an incredible show. We haven't even, we haven't talked about that. I will say, I do want a blanket statement. I mean, we kind of say this on every deep dive. But this show in particular, we are going to spoil the show. And if you don't yeah. know Next to Normal, it is and a show. And you don't want it spoiled. Yeah. It is a show that I would say is actually maybe better going in blind. I had already known the plot before. Yeah. But um, I think if you go in not knowing, it's 
it's not that it's more rewarding. I think it's just it's like so much yeah, more powerful. Yeah, though. yeah, for sure. But that is not us today. <laughs> so <laughs> well, we're not those, doing that for you. So yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Whoops. <laughs> uh, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um. For those, that's the other thing is that whenever I do say when someone says what's one of your favorite shows, and I'll say next normal, they say, "Oh, what what's that about?" And then I continue mm. to go on and say what this show is about, and they're like, "Oh, okay." Like like it's a very not like you know fun. It's not a school. <laughs> it's not school. How yeah. would you, okay? Yeah. Let's for the people who don't know right. and we've already mm-hmm. warned them that we're going to spoil it right and i'm sure at the beginning we have already expressed that there's you know a trigger warming warning for um yes. you know yeah. mental health issues and 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 other things um how do you summarize the show i mean if you could summarize well not, not what, that what the show is teaching you but the plot just talk yes. about the plot well, I will say, I mean, I am staring at the Wikipedia page, but I'm not going to read okay. verbatim what yeah, just, it says you here. You tell me. You but tell me what. Usually what I say is it's about a family and the mom is, um, is experiencing bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about their life and how they all kind of cope with her mental illness and kind of their struggles throughout, you know, as a family. There's a daughter. There's you know, a son, a boyfriend, you know, all of that. And, um, yeah, that's usually what I say, but there's a lot more to it than just that. Yeah. Yeah. And Hmm. most people are like, Oh, that would make for a good musical. And I'm like, yeah, you have no idea. (laughs) You have no idea. You simply do not know. Yeah. So, and on the Wikipedia page here, it says the musical addresses themes such as grief, depression, suicide, drug abuse, ethics and modern psychiatry and yeah. the underbelly of suburban life um which oh I interesting love very, that last point yeah i love that because that actually even correlates with the with the poster and the set design and yeah. all of that yeah um as well i want to talk about because this show has a long journey so i want to talk about the mm-hmm. origins of the show Let's but uh okay yeah let's jump right in so this show had a crazy development um i'm gonna sometimes reference this video that we'll put in the show notes but there's a a video that the two writers of the show uh, brian yorkie and tom kitt and then the producer david stone and then the director michael greif they are doing an interview with the american theater wing um back in it was it, the video was released in 2012, so I guess it was after all the a lot of the success of the show. Um, but it's called Next Normal: The Road to Broadway, and it's all about what it, how basically the creation of the show. There's a piano there, so they do some songs. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's a really really good interview. It's like an hour interview, and um, so they talk a lot about the development of the show. But so Tom Kent and Brian Yorkie met in college i mean to go all the way back they met in at columbia college and so the beginning workings of this show brian yorkie who's the book writer and the and the lyric writer um saw a news story on the news about a woman who was receiving um electroshock therapy and he thought it was um something that was not still practiced like he was like oh Mm -hmm. they still do this 
And yeah, so this was in the late nineties. Yes, this was in the late nineties. So this mm-hmm. this was in ninety eight. Um so that's that's what's crazy to me is that it took ten years, over ten years for the show to mm-hmm. get to Broadway, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um so he basically went to Tom Kitt and was like, Hey, let's write a show about a woman going through mental illness and oh, it goes through electric shock therapy. And they were like, cool. So they wrote this like 10 minute workshop show for something called the BMI workshop, which is like, I guess where they, a bunch of writers come in and they have to write like a 10 minute original musical. And then sometimes they were talking about in this interview, how some things at the BMI theater workshop, they like, there's some activities where like they have to write a song for like death of a salesman and like streetcar named desire and like stuff like that. And I was like, Oh, I want to go to this. But the original title of the show was always Feeling Electric. Yeah. That was the original title of the show. And in that interview, which, again, we'll link in the show notes, um, Tom Kitt plays the title song, Feeling mm-hmm. Electric. He, he pl- they were like, can you play us a little bit? And, so, and that was in the show, they said, up until um, Second Stage, which was the first full production yeah. of it. Basically, so, up until yeah. 2008, almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they had after that, they had a bunch of readings and they kept like, you know, workshopping the show. They had a, a workshop in 2005 um, and essentially with, with that crazy with crazy yes, casting. I know. And the original cast itself is crazy. But the, yeah, that those workshops had like Anthony Rapp in it. And then Annalie Ashford. Yeah, Annalie Ashford. um, Eventually, Skylar Aston. Yeah, it's crazy. And then the producer, David Stone, saw those workshops and wanted to jump on board of the show. So the first ever production of the show um, was at Second Stage, um, which was in January of 2008. And it was directed by Michael Greif, who went on to direct the Broadway show. Mm Anthony Rapp was the assistant director, which, which I think is, is also crazy. wild. <laughs> yeah. So this had most of the original cast, but it had yeah. Alice Ripley as Diana, Brian Darcy James as Dan, and Tavit as Gabe, Jennifer Damiano as Natalie, Adam Chandler Barrett as Henry, and Asa Summers as Dr. Madden slash Dr. Fine. Um, and they talk about in this interview about how Second City was like, because it was the first time they were putting on the show, they learned a lot about the show. They learned a lot about how, what worked about the show and what didn't work about the show. And Brian mm-hmm. Yorkie talks about how he got, there's like a section in that theater where you can like sit backstage and see the entire audience from backstage. And so he would sit every night and watch the audience and see how he, he, he quote, the quote is like how I watched them, how the, at some moments they leaned in and sometimes they didn't and they leaned back. Mm. Um, which I think is interesting. So at that point, apparently there, the reviews were incredibly mixed. Like there were some reviews Mm. that were incredible, but then some that like did not like the show at all. So then the producer, David Stone was like, let's just, let's do something he said he says he he took that opportunity to just work on the show some more rather than and at this point most shows this is very rare what i'm about to say Mm -hmm. most shows just go off broadway and then they go to broadway but this show what i find so interesting is that they really took the time to go back and really rework the show so this show decided to do an out-of-town 
try out in DC at Arena Stage, which again is super. They wild. were, they were, yeah, it's so wild. Most they were talking about it in the interview how most people don't go to New York and then go somewhere else. It's very, yep. it's usually yeah. the other way. You were around. literally at Second yeah. Stage Theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So they were saying though, it really took the pressure off to just like make the show the best that it could be, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and really really cool and at that point um, Bobby Spencer joined the show and Lewis Hobson who were the original cast uh, of the Broadway show because Brian Darcy James dropped out and um, Asa Summers dropped out of the show as well Uh, and then after that the show transfers to Broadway in 2009 at the Booth Theater at the booth theater, which apparently, so they were talking about too how they really were. It was supposed to be somewhere else. It was supposed to be somewhere else, and then the booth became available, and they knew that that's the the theater they were wanting to do the show all along. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It is. It's so. It's just like so many things align. And but the other interesting thing I thought, which is kind of relating it to today's theater landscape, is he was talking about how the recession had just happened, mm-hmm. um, and. Broadway apparently so this show opened in March of 2009 apparently January of that year a bunch of shows were closing a bunch of like everyone was kind of worried about the state of Broadway apparently the New York Times at the time wrote this whole article about how Broadway is going to end like basically be dead no one's going to come to Broadway anymore and I mean if you think about it that's kind of where we are right now I mean like people are kind of like is Broadway gonna stay afloat or is it I mean even Patty Lapone recently not that we have to bring up Patty said that it's basically full circle to Patty I know it's it's basically turning into like Vegas is what she said which we had talked about in our in our jukebox musical so that's interesting I just find it interesting that this show came along a very similar landscape that we kind of are now at the mm-hmm. at that time and what's so special i mean among the writing of the show what's so special at the show is that it is a small cast there's only six people in the show the yeah. orchestra is small um and they said the set design yeah the set really design change. no it's which i love the set design yeah. so much we'll have to talk about that yeah but yeah so i just find the the story around the show is so fascinating to me the writing it took I think it's just a testament to like people that want to write shows out there like it does take time and like to be humble about like hey if you not that every show does this but hey if you do go to off Broadway maybe go somewhere like try it somewhere else and maybe you can get to Broadway or maybe that's not your trajectory or what I mean yeah, it's just crazy. The show, I will say, set a new box office record for the Booth Theater. It's amazing. Um, for the week ending January 2010, grossing $550,000 over nine performances, which is crazy. Yeah. And yeah. it totaled like $31 million by yeah. the time grossed. Yeah. Um, Again, it's also probably it a cheap show to produce, like to put up. Um, because the set design is pretty minimal and it's not like there's like lavish costumes. Right. Right. It's pretty, it's a pretty, I think by all, by Broadway standards, it's pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, but again, and they also talked about how, so Michael Greif directed Rent and they talked about how Rent really was the precursor to this in a lot of ways. And, 
you know, Rent kind of walked to this and maybe later on Evan Hansen and all of that, all of these shows kind of surrounding heavier issues um, could, could last on Broadway. And so, yeah, I just, I love that whole trajectory of the show. I think it's just incredible. And I think it's just, it's really just a testament to the work of Tom Kent and Brian Yorkie. Like, it's just so, the, Ugh, it's just incredible <laughs> i just love it so much i love this show i yeah. i think you know wanna i i want to talk uh, briefly about why i feel the show so important then we yeah. can talk about music and set mm-hmm. and casting but i think something that probably also changed the trajectory was originally the show was centered around diana and her right. feelings yeah and although that is a driving narrative of the show the main the main character is i mean they're all main characters but i would say the main driving plot point from a to b is diana's experience in life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the way that the show ended up taking shape as next to normal in its run was also about how all of the family members alive or not right. relate in in this and the boyfriend relate in this experience of what it's like to struggle with um, reality, perception, who we believe we are, who we want to be, mm-hmm. and the space in between. Mm-hmm. And this is on my, like, if I feel like I need to cry, this is the first thing I'll listen to if I have yeah. space to do so. This is also on, like, the last song of this show, which I want to talk about more later when we talk about songs. The last song of the show is on my, like, constant repeat. I will yeah. just play that without context Yep. I I think this show provides space for such a hard conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that it allows us all to enter into a space of under, like identifying mm-hmm. with almost every character in some way, shape or form. Um, and obviously everyone is over characterized, right? like, and dramatized on the stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's not done in a way that makes fun of any of them. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a, one or two comedic relief moments that you need because you're, you're struggling emotionally, right. which are great. They're so well done. Yeah. But... but They're very um, grounded comedy moments, though. Yeah, yeah. But I would say, like, I think that there are times in my life where I could identify more with each character or different characters Mm. um diana is the one i i love her lyrics the most um but yeah yeah, i just absolutely i i just think the way that they did this show um you know taylor and i were talking about (laughs) dear evan hansen before (laughs) recording yeah and i really can't imagine shows like dear evan hansen succeeding Mm -hmm. without without this kind of mm-hmm. experience yeah um and I, I think that spring awakening plays into this right i was gonna say that too um, yeah yeah because this and spring awakening and dear evan hansen and rent all in my mind have very similar structures of yeah. tackling heavy con content having minimal staging having minimal cast and focusing on both like and focusing on what can the audience feel mm-hmm. um, and how do we also al- like allow ourselves to feel all of these things mm-hmm. in a way that changes us when we leave the theater, not just changes us for the moments that we're in the theater. And I, I really think Next Normal just does it like nobody else. Mm-hmm. And 
and it and it's so it's so insanely powerful yeah 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 the writers in that interview talked about how when they were before they had changed the musical name from feeling electric to next to normal the show was mostly about like the diagnosis and the treatment and all of that but then they realized that the show the show became better when they stopped trying to talk just about the diagnosis and just talked about the people involved in the in the story and that's when i they were talking about the the title change and they were just bouncing around names and then the producer actually was like what about next normal and then (laughs) they were like oh and that was even before it was a lyric in the show it wasn't even anything and they were like oh yeah that fits and then brian yorkie made it a lyric in the show he put it into the show yeah yeah which I played, which is one. It's so great. I love that. It's so great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and also again, when you, I think that's the thing. People have such a perception of musical theater as this, which is not, a. I do not think it's a bad perception of like this, you know, razzle dazzle, very, you know, it's not a place. Musical theater is not a place where you, you know, do have a lot of intense, feelings and talk about heavy subjects and that's why i think shows like this spring awakening it's there they can sometimes be a tough sell because it's you know you know lion king and and chicago and whatever those are like the the big you know show-stopping shows but then something like this that's why something for me personally why this is what musical theater can you know, at the height of its powers, next to normal is musical theater. Like it's taking yeah. a subject that people didn't expect. I mean, again, not to, even Hamilton. Like Hamilton is taking something that nobody thought was possible, mm-hmm. and they're turning it into a musical that is that can just like totally change people's point of view on musicals, but also like literally change their lives. I do. Yeah. yeah no. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say. I think what's challenging um about this musical specifically and potentially rent while rent was happening Mm -hmm. um but this musical i think especially uh does this is that you have like this is not an escape right most everyone has some kind of mental um health experience whether it's positive negative or whether it's a diagnosis or not right most everyone has has yeah. that or in and their family is, like what they like this yeah, whole story exactly, is like exactly it's someone if it's and not you it's someone trauma, in your family right absolutely right. right and like most everyone also experiences death and loss and grief maybe yeah. not in this way but most everyone does yeah and what's different in this musical also is that these are all almost all adults ever everyone on the stage is, is playing an adult of some right. most likely yeah. except for the except for natalie really but she's right. a senior in high school or a junior in high school yeah she's a junior in high school and so she's trying to you know she she it this is not a show um where people can't relate to it these characters are relatable and so it's not an escape and so it's even harder to mm-hmm. sell to people that you should come to this show that's going to yeah. mirror somewhat of the trauma that you've experienced in your life. And it's going to end on a hopeful-ish note, but it's 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 not the same. And I think people people think, when they think about serious musicals, they think about, like, Les Mis. Right, Les Mis, When everyone yeah. dies. Right. And it's like, okay, that's great, but most of us didn't live through 
most of us, right? Uh-huh. Mo- any of us did not live through that war. <laughs> right. Did not live right. live through if the you're French here, Revolution. If you're, if you're still alive and you lived through that war, listen. If you figured out how to work a podcast, I listen, had to listen I'm to it. I'm proud of you. I'm yeah. proud of you. Yeah. If you're still alive, there's some magic in the air. Big ups but. to you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like we can, we yeah. can we can feel like that's an escape because it is not our lives. Yeah. And there are parts yeah. of that that we can take, of course. And, and it's like a little more, Les Mis specifically is a little more like like melodramatic you know a little mean? bit. But you know what like, I mean? Like that's what people think yeah. of when they think of like serious shows and even Dear Evan Hansen, that's all great. Right. But like, I'm not a boy in high school. Right. And like, I can definitely understand a lot of those things. And it is a beautiful musical, but there's something specific in my opinion about this mm-hmm. and i i want to say it because i'm i'm the woman on the podcast rarely rarely do we have a musical where the woman is the lead and this is not about a relationship with a man yeah like her family is involved and mm-hmm. everyone's relationship is important but this is about i mean there are moments of romance right but this is about her relationship to herself mm-hmm. that is the that is the main relationship of hers during yeah. the show is yeah. her relationship to herself. Well, and, and her daughter, really. It's really... No, of course. I, but, but but that her yeah. relationship to herself is yeah. first because yeah. of... And, and because of that, her relationship yeah. with her daughter and her family are either yeah. messed up or not. But I, it is not a romantic rela- um, no. relationship no. that is first priority mm-hmm. at all. And it's so rare to see a woman as one of the main leads. I would say she is the main driving point plot wise right. and well the end of the show man, man. the end of the show and where her character goes proves that it's not about romance at all i mean right. the whole right it's that's not, what i'm saying but yeah, it just yeah. like it's really rare to have that yeah. i think yeah because when you think about women leads yeah especially written by two men <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, no i want to no. say it because i yeah. think that's part of what's so yeah i specifically can so identify with this show in that yeah. way that doesn't make it feel unattainable Mm -hmm. Uh, because even when you think about wicked like they're fighting kind of over over a a man no of course they are i mean they're fighting because they're friends but like there's a man and he's like the mate he's right you know although wicked probably does pass the becketal test but i'm not sure it does it does it does but i think because oz um, you know, the wizard is partly what they're talking about, and that's about right. power, not necessarily about romance. Right, right, true, true. Um, something else I want to reference, which I'm going to talk about a little bit, is the uh, the wonderful Stars in the House stream that happened yes. during COVID. I, th- I think it is still going on. I think yeah, Seth Rudesky and his partner uh, James. I don't know his last, what James's last name, but um, they did during COVID. They did these like theater reunions. And they're called Stars in the House. I, I, th- I don't Which know if I ever absolutely incredible. They're incredible. I don't know if I ever talked. I literally like before we started the podcast. I went through a whole deep. Like I found one, and I just went through. I binge them like nobody's business, and they're I they're was just all incredible. Them in COVID for a while, yeah. like see, I didn't know about them out. at the time, and I was like, oh my gosh, these are amazing. So anyway, there is a next to normal cast reunion. And it's really interesting to hear all of them talk about it, you know, these some yeah. so many years later. And Alice Ripley makes this point about how 
kind of to what we were saying about how when she during Second City she was having trouble with figuring out who Diana was and like what is this show about and she like couldn't wrap her brain around it and then while they were at Arena is when they wrote maybe um, in parentheses next normal and she said that's when it clicked for her is that this whole show for her was that it's all about her trying to connect with her daughter that's all well that's all that's only what it was about at least that's how she was playing it um and i think that's just lovely i think yeah it's it's really 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 cool and i think there are more obviously there are things that the great thing about theater is that everyone can take something from Mm -hmm. it for themselves but i think it's really cool to see also where the actor was coming from too well absolutely and i think that that's that's right like this is just I, it holds sacred in mm-hmm. my mind. That doesn't mean that there are not, there's nothing wrong with the show or the actors who right, right. were in the show. But it, it, it means that every time that I can come back and interact with the text and the fullness of the show, that I glean something new about my own experience and my own yeah. identification with certain you know lyrics or with certain um, mm-hmm. spaces. And I have a little poster in my so i have all my playbills but then i i got a little custom made um poster that has all of the song titles of the original next to normal um and at the bottom it says feeling electric um and because i just i love the show so very much well i was gonna say well i think that's a perfect transition to talk about the music of the show (laughs) i was gonna say the same (laughs) i i thought you were (laughs) Uh, yes. Oh my gosh. I would almost say that every song is great. (laughs) I think there's only like, I think there's only like one song that I typically skip. Which is what? Which is, um, oh, I do skip the You Don't Know reprise because I don't. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because it's short and I'm like, Eh, I don't know if I need this right now. And then didn't I see this movie? I'm like, I don't know. Do I want to listen? I don't know. I like, I like do, I, no, I do like that song. It's just sometimes I lo- listen. I love Alice Ripley, but sometimes yeah. her voice a is a lot. distinct voice. And this song, yeah. if you listen to the album, yeah. this song is like, she's yelling at you. Yes. Didn't I see this yeah. movie? Yeah. Like sometimes that? it's a bop, but sometimes oh, yeah. it's like, a, yeah, it's like, a, okay, I need to, let's, let's calm down here. <laughs> I guess, uh, I mean, listen, she has a mental illness, so I understand. Um, let's calm down. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I work in mental health. Yeah, oh, poor choice yeah. of words. Whoops. Uh, tell me, <laughs> Rachel, what, I mean, you mentioned it before. I know we, I, I've known you for years, so I know Light is one of your favorite songs, which yeah. is the finale. But what are, what are, you know, among Light, what are some other, some other things you, you'll, you'll pump on? So. <laughs> for I'm gonna first do it the way you did, which yeah. is what do I skip? Mm-hmm. And the reason I skipped this is because I sang it for an audition for what was theater four, and I it was I couldn't get it. My vocal range was right. I just was nervous and I couldn't sing it. And then I like started and I was like, eh. And so for a long period of time, I would skip Superboy and the Invisible Girl. Because oh, I was sad. I love life. that yeah, song. it's such a great song. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. It was yeah. sad. So now and I'm arguably the most different. like well-known, if there's one song yeah. out of the show that is like everyone knows, it's probably that one. You know, that's just, as, as, an, as an aside, since we're talking about well-known yeah. songs. 
this show doesn't lend itself to well-known songs. And I find that very interesting considering how many people really love this show. This is now maybe more of a cult. It's not a cult classic, but it definitely has a bit of a following now, especially. And we had a reprise, a reprise. We had a... um, uh, 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 the Kennedy Center, Kennedy Center did, revival, which I, which I, revival, which we yes, both have which seen. we both saw, yeah, yeah, yeah. not on and the same show, but it's okay. Sad, I wish we had, but, but it was yeah. right before COVID. It was literally it was like right before COVID. Yeah, it was maybe yeah. one of the last things I did before COVID. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. anyway, so I, I, I find that interesting that the show doesn't have like big. It's not like one day more. It's not in here. No. So, um. Okay, songs that I will. <laughs> Although I would, play. I would love a one day more in the middle of the show. That would be amazing. <laughs> Honestly, the, 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 know, song... again, the Act One finale of this and the Act One finale of Les Mis could not be more different. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. love uh, um, light. Obviously, I love right. a light in the dark, which is also the last song in the first mm-hmm. act. Oh, so good. I am obsessed with "I Miss the Mountains," mm-hmm. which is an amazing song by Diana. Yeah. But if, uh, who would I be? Who would I be if I did not say I'm alive by Gabe? Right, right. Who would I be? But yeah. I want to say the Haze, number one, two, and three, are underrepresented. Oh, I like, love the Haze. Yeah. They're so yeah. good. Love the they're Haze. They're so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think A Light in the Dark is pretty flawless. I also love singing that song. It's a very fun song mm-hmm. to sing. Song of um, Forgetting is really fun to sing. Yeah, it is. Yep. I have very clear memories of singing that when I was 12. Probably <laughs> too young. Um, I actually, as I've grown older, I have liked mm-hmm. I Miss the Mountains more. I did yeah. not like it when I was younger, but I like it Fair. more now. Same Yeah. Um, I do want to say, I think the last five songs of the show, which are maybe Hey 3, So Anyway, I am the one I'm reprise one. and light I think are pretty much flawless songs. I think it's pretty perfect. I, I will yeah. say, I do think the show as a whole is pretty perfect, but yeah. those five songs in particular are like perfect. Like I, I would not change anything about them. And they all, for those that have seen the show, they all run into each other. There's no dialogue in between any of those. Mm-hmm. They just roll right into each other. I mean, maybe Which there's like beautiful. one or two words, it- but, it's really beautiful. Yeah, it's so incredible. So I remember vividly, you know, when I would listen to this cast recording on repeat, do, mm-hmm. doing those five songs back to back to back because I love the Maybe Next to Normal. I love Hate Three. So anyway, it's just so heart wrenching, but in a good way. Like it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. And then I'm the one reprise again with Danny and Gabe is like. Ugh. incredible i know it's, when he says gabriel i know, I, I know. Ooh, yeah. okay yeah. so i mean we've already spoiled the show so we should right. just tell people there yeah. is a son who's not actually alive yeah he you know died when he was a baby so he's and... a gabe is a manifestation of yeah. diana which you don't learn so if you're going into the show blind the staging Sorry, of it is incredible because <laughs> yeah i know yeah <laughs> well if you're going into the show not knowing the staging of it is is as that you think that basically that for the first 20 minutes of the show Gabe is actually like everyone can see Gabe but it's actually only Diana so the character of Gabe died when he was a baby but he's like this like 17 year old 18 year old manifestation Mm -hmm. that that Diana has made up in her mind and you don't find that out until 25 minutes into the show and then you actually yeah. don't find out his He's name <laughs> yeah 
yeah, he's not here. You don't find out his name until the end of the show. When um, when the dad says Gabe, yeah. Gabriel, yeah. and Except we all are is, weeping yeah. on the floor. Yeah. Except it is like in the playbill, and it isn't. So there's yeah, like things funny. like that, <laughs> which I always you, thought was funny. You never hear yeah. it said. No, you no. know. So I could see yeah. people not like going to the show and like not really paying attention to that at the end of the show. They're like, oh, that's when they that you hear their name. Mm-hmm. I do want to shout out um, Why Stay slash A Promise. So oh, good. So good. Um, songs Stay. like uh, Aftershocks, I Dreamed to Dance, There's a World. I mean, these, it's just. He's not the, here. Yeah, I've I been. I'm, honestly, we can just name off all of them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. again it's it's a pretty flawless show and again not many musicals have won the pulitzer prize and this is one of them and And it's just it deserves it yeah it's just incredible i do want to read before we talk about the cast which of course we're going to Mm -hmm. which we've kind of referenced Mm -hmm. i want to read ben brantley of the new york times wrote and it's on the poster He wrote, Next to Normal is a brave, breathtaking musical. No show on Broadway makes as direct a grab for the heart or rings it as thoroughly. It is something much more than a feel-good musical. It is a feel-everything musical. Mm. Mm. Uh, I love that. Uh, Feel-everything musical. Yeah, I love that too. So let's talk about the cast, Rachel. Uh, Let's do it. Yeah. You got to see the incredible alice ripley in the role can you what was that do you remember like how much do you remember of her performance i i mean i i feel like one thing okay one thing i think we've talked about briefly about musicals when you've listened to the music over and over and over again before you go Mm -hmm. is that you are your brain is trained to hear that so when when something doesn't go that way even if it's beautiful, your mm-hmm. brain's like, oh, that's yep. wrong. Yep, yep. <laughs> so to hear the main person sing the, her songs, to hear Alice sing all of her mm-hmm. songs as Diana yep. was incredible. And honestly, just that's probably why we went. I know Catherine was like the ringleader and why we actually went. And that was part of it. Shout we, out to Catherine. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Good job, Catherine. Yeah. We were also obsessed, obviously, with Aaron Faye, and I right. sad that he wasn't in it. Um, mm. and but it was yeah, it she was amazing. Alice Ripley was amazing. Um, and we'll talk about the Kennedy Center revival we saw, but also so good. But I think that you mm. go in knowing that it's not going to sound like they're recording. Yeah, very different, um, very different, but super different. But this, yeah. I mean, Diana. It, Here's the thing. Alice Ripley has such a distinct voice, especially right. at this stage in her career when she's recording this and, and performing mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Diana. It's like it's like Bernadette Peters. Not that yeah. Bernadette Peters has even that distinctive voice, but it's like Bernadette Peters originating a role and someone else trying to step in. It's like really yep. difficult. It's yep. very difficult. It's do. also like kind of written for her and she can kind of do whatever she wants with it like alice can kind of really really make it her own and it's not like it's very difficult i would have loved to see because some replacements like marion Maisie replaced her uh i would have loved to see that i think that would have been interesting and Um, i will never forget that i we saw emma hunton leaving the theater mm -hmm. um because we were trying to get people to sign our playbills but we we 
they were they were not doing that. And Emma Hunton got in a cab right in front of us, and she's got her book out because she. I mean, this is, and she's like, hi, she's. We were like, you did such a good job. She's like, I gotta go home and run lines. Oh, <laughs> oh she my said. goodness! Wow. Yeah, and wow. I mean, she she we're not that far apart in age to be really yeah. clear. Yeah, and she, I Emma? think she was like 19 at the time. Yeah, so like she, she's a noob yeah. on the stage. Because yeah. even Jennifer Damiano at the time, yeah. she had been in yeah. um, in the ensemble of Spring Awakening. Spring Awakening. But I think yeah. she, and then of course she went on to, yeah, she was 17 when she did Next Normal. She was 17. Wild. And she actually, I watched I watched a ton of videos today. She does not look 17. I thought she was so much older. Because it says they're becoming one of the youngest nominees for the Tony Award at age 17 of Best Feature Actress. And then, of course, she goes on to play Mary Jane in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark in 2011, which I remember watching a Broadway.com video. And she talks about her audition process for Mm -hmm. Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. And when she got the call that she was going to be Mary Jane, she had to go to Next to Normal and basically not... She couldn't couldn't tell anyone. She couldn't say. So she had to, like, keep this bit... She was, like, you know, 18, keeping this big secret, and everyone thought, obviously, Spider-Man was going to be a huge hit. Which, in some ways it was, in some ways it wasn't, (laughs) but... (laughs) Not as big as Next to Normal, I guess. The lore of it is a big hit. Also, to go from something... What a trajectory to go from something like Next to Normal to Spider-Man. I mean... To go from Spring Awakening to Next to Normal, and then to Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. It's actually such a... Uh, well, like going up trajectory that when Spider-Man crashed and burned, it literally was like a, you know, I because uh, I will say yeah. Jennifer, out of all the cast members, I still to this day Jennifer Damiano has one of the best theater voices I have ever heard. Yeah, it she's is incredible, incredible. It's like it's there are some notes on the that she sings. I'm just like I don't even know how you're freaking doing this. Like what yeah. the heck? I'm like what? So anyway. The vocal chemistry, because I obviously did yeah. not see the stage chemistry, but the vocal chemistry be- between her and Aaron yeah. are, is just, yeah. uh, uh, like, no, uh, nothing uh, so perfect uh, should <laughs> exist. Yeah. No, I agree. Of course, the original, we, we made, you know, Alice Ripley playing Diana, Robert Spencer from Jersey Boys playing Dan Goodman, uh, Jennifer Damiano playing Natalie, Aaron Tivet playing Gabe. I would say this, this is like his star, ter- like, this is what, catapults him into stardom and then from here it's just like a ride until Milan Rouge where he finally wins the Tony um finally yeah finally and I mean it was only him in the category so who was he up against um Adam (laughs) so sad for him (laughs) uh although he looked great that white suit just gotta say he's I mean he's never not looking great let me just uh, but you know he goes from this to I don't think it's directly after but he goes from this to catch me if you can which is amazing and then because before this he had played Fiero in Wicked and Link in Hairspray um, yeah he returned yeah. to Fier- uh, to play Fiero and then went to yeah then went to yeah. Catch Me If You Can yeah. and then he did something else he did some screen acting too like remember Graceland yes Graceland later, maybe. yeah I remember yeah which Graceland? I watched every episode because Graceland was, was great I loved no, that I'm, show I'm, yeah USA is a great network 
Listen, here at Theater Nerds, we support USA, the network. We were li- I was literally yeah. on a church choir tour, and we had to. We all sat in one bed to watch Graceland because we mm-hmm. all were obsessed with Aaron. So that's just what I'm going to say. About does that. anybody remember? Maybe it's just me. Like the mid 2010s, they t- like TV shows would like do free their first episode free on Apple. And, like, so many TV shows did this, and, like, every USA show would give you, like, two or three episodes free. And I was like, yes, I'm taking this. So, of course, I watched Graceland. Yeah. And and Royal Pains. And... Oh, my gosh. um, (laughs) What was the other one? Burn Notice. And then um, Suits, obviously. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing great. Uh Adam Chandler Barrett as Henry. Adam Chandler Barrett. Again, maybe one of the most underrated theater actors. Yes, he's so ever. underrated. Yeah, so, he's so underrated. underrated. Yeah, and then Lewis Hobson played um, Doctor Doctor Fine, my my Dr. new nickname Fine. for the show, <laughs> and and Doctor Madden. Yeah, um, uh, I do want to quickly just talk about the Tony Awards. Um, okay, for the show. The okay. show was nominated for, what did I say, eight or nine? Oh, 11. It was nominated for yeah, 11. Yeah, 11. And it won four, right? It won, I think it won th- three. three. It won yeah, three. three. Sorry, it was bad. robbed of, if we yeah. ever do this Tony Awards, it was robbed of Best We already musical. know that was, yeah, we already know yeah. that it was robbed. Yeah. So it won Best Orchestrations, okay. Best Original Score, obviously. Mm-hmm. It is the best score in the last 10 years and then best performance by a leading actress in a musical uh alice ripley which i totally 100 percent deserved i don't know who obviously we can look it up but i don't know who else was nominated that year but freaking listen okay billy elliot is fine billy elliot is fine (laughs) but it's just fine but it's not a it's not next to normal it is not like a game changer in the are you gonna read me the, the best musical <laughs> i'm gonna read you the musicals the and the revivals that yeah. were on oh i'm ready so the the best musical yeah. category was shrek rock of ages next to normal billy elliot billy elliot winning revival yeah. west side story yes Pal joey guys and dolls and hair but nine good revival five, year but nine to five was also playing this but year. not nominated but not nominated yep. for best, but it was nominated for yeah. other categories. Yeah, everybody remember on the show when I was Darlene for my character of the week. Yeah, we um, all remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's I what I'm so. Shrek and Rock of Ages are kind of the same, but even Billy Elliot's kind of the same in that. I like, can't believe yeah. it did not win best yeah. sound design. It yeah. and Billy Elliot took it's best just sound crazy design, best direction, yeah. and like direction Billy is, is the also one amazing. Yeah. Michael Greif has directed some of the best shows in the last 20 years. He's directed Rent. He's directed Next to Normal. Dear Evan Hansen, he's about to come to Broadway with The Notebook at some point if that transfers. He has never won a Best Director um, Tony Award. It is insane. It's insane. He lost to Come From Away for for Dear Evan Hansen. He lost to Billy Elliot for this. And then I don't know if he was nominated for Rent. Let me check. Let me check. He, he and then he lost for bring in Denoise, bring in Defunk, for Rent. Yeah, that classic show, bring in Denoise, bring in Defunk. This I is what do I'm saying. Just, I yeah. want to point out that what is potentially so tragic and why we might see this as a cult following for right. Next to Normal right. is that 
it was robbed at the Tony Awards and then it won a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. And yeah. and what makes it so fascinating is that the this is this is why award seasons are insane and why they're mm-hmm. not always a marker mm-hmm. of the long-term success, but also it is part of the business, right? Like right. it would have been so helpful I wonder how long it would have run if it won all of these 11 Tony awards mm-hmm. that it was nominated for. Yeah. And yeah, I mean it's yeah. it's just it's it misses what unfortunately what happens is the audience knows this is good, they love it, they want it. The theater community knows that it's quality, but not until yeah. really it wins the Pulitzer Prize and then it leaves Broadway that pe- more people are like, "Oh shoot, this is an amazing yeah. musical yeah and i i would still think i still think now because we've barely touched it except for this kennedy center revival which i hope we talked about briefly yeah um you know like we haven't done enough with this it was of course on that riverdale episode which was i have not seen i have not seen yet um, either yeah but you know what i mean like i just feel we don't do enough with this musical there's no pro shot of the musical that we've been able to see so i i think that it's missing some momentum as well um, and I think people don't know what it is and it's just super tragic because they should, cause it's a freaking yeah. amazing, like I, mm, there are shows that are, have become overrated and take away the spotlight of the show. And I just mm-hmm. want people, I want people to know the show. Yeah. I kind of equate it to like the, the 2010, I think it was 2010 Academy Awards, the, the best picture winner was the King's speech. Okay, which I know, listen. Which I've if, seen, and it was which, not bad. Yes, it's a good movie. It's a, again, Billy Elliot, The King's Speech, fine. They're fine. But you know what should have won that year at the Oscars? The Social Network, which is like oh my one of the most incredible movies in the past oh, 10 years. And the scripts, geez. not that I'm equating The Social Network and Next Normal, but they're kind of yeah, similar in the sense, not. well, in the sense that they're kind of like, they're kind of like, those show they're kind of like little engine that could like they're kind of like i don't know like underdogs no, no, this is like this is I a powerhouse know. show yeah. i just feel this yeah. is not an uh, this is what this is what gets me this is yeah. not an uh, a underrated show this is not some little no. oh, what like this is a freaking phenomenal show yeah yeah and the people who put the show together are known yeah in the community i will say I did not know this, but Next to Normal won the Pulitzer Prize, of course, and it was not on the short list for the three candidates. So apparently the people, the Pulitzer Prize people were just like, screw it. We're not, we're just going to award something that was not on the nominating. I don't know how the Pulitzer Prize works, but that's crazy. That's That's like, they must have really liked Next to Normal. (laughs) Try not blame them. Yeah. It's it's incredible. So let's qu- quickly talk about yes. the Kennedy Center. Yeah. Yes. Cast. This yeah this Kennedy Center. Uh, what do they call them? Like, there's like a specific name they call them, and now I can't remember. But. Um, Broadway Center Stage. Yes. Yes. Broadway Center mm-hmm. Stage. Yes. So it ran January 29th through February 3rd. Honestly, could you imagine this? Like, if covid of 2020 like yeah if it was like march we wouldn't have gotten to see it that would have been so sad that's so crazy this was the last thing we did before covid well i think i went to i went to a concert i think maybe two weeks after oh that's i went to i went to yeah i went to not california i went to new york 
Right. That was the last yes. thing I did. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And then you stayed there forever. Um, (laughs) yes this show this revival great cast that i will say the only person i didn't like was brandon brandon victor dixon that's the only person i didn't like like. no i don't know i think he was so rachel b jones obviously not the host of this podcast but rachel (laughs) b jones um playing diana brandon victor dixon playing jane uh playing dan Dan. i don't know why i said yeah i don't know why i said jane uh, Maya Refico, I assume she played uh, She's Natalie. Diana, Natalie, yes. Uh, Kamari Rose playing uh, Gabe. Gabe. Yeah. Ben Levy Ross, who we love. Oh, amazing. I love ben. Playing Henry. Honestly, almost inspired. like so Obsessed. inspired. Yeah. I he loved was, it. He was ah. insane. Whenever he opened his mouth, I was like, he was so Keep cute. Going. Also, he did the he did yeah. it so good. He yeah. was so good. Yeah. And Michael okay. Park playing, which is a fun Dear Evan Hansen. I'm just saying yeah. basically playing three out of the six people are from Dear Evan, Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm Michael with that. Michael Greif is the he he was the director for the yeah, for this I mean, production. I, I have no I have no qualms. He, yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, and the funny thing, because sometimes in these Kennedy Center staging, they kind of stage them differently sometimes, but it was, like, it was, exactly, it was, it was the show. It was, like, the exact (laughs) same show. show. They, like, updated some of the costuming, but that was pretty much it. And the cast, obviously, is not always. I mean, (laughs) in my opinion, it was very good. I loved it. Loved it, too. Yeah. I will say there were people in our audience who clearly did not know the show, which is, once again, still baffling to me. Yeah. And you heard them. (gasps) Yep. During that, he's not here. He's not here. (laughs) Yeah, because it's so quiet, too. It's such a quiet moment of the show. The one thing, so I, we sat pretty close. I mean, we were, like, house, house right, like, I don't know, like, like, 10th row, maybe. We were pretty close. And, um right at the beginning like right at the be- right before she sings rachel got like something stuck in her throat like <gasps> right at the beginning no and i was and, when and she's doing the pancakes when before she says i'm gonna no, have sex with you or before yes she says that? yes no like it was like right before it was like right as she started singing like um it's a home family like she like got something in her throat and it took her a minute and then i realized oh crap like she's on stage like for the next like the five whole minutes show, basically yeah. yeah so i was like oh my gosh i feel so bad for her and she did a great job like she was great but you could t- like I don't know if the audience could tell, but I could tell. I was she like, she needed oh to my like gosh. fake get some. She needed to get some water. Yeah. She's flipping I don't those know how she could have though on the stage. I don't know. It Did was... she put pancakes? Because I feel like that was the one thing that was different. Were I thought it pancakes? was sandwiches. It okay, wasn't... so in 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 the in the show, I I mean maybe Catherine, if she listens, she'll tell me if I'm wrong or not. Because we saw both of them together. We saw the U.S. tour and we just yes. And okay. we saw this yeah, yeah, one yeah. recently. Yeah. But I'm p- pretty positive that the joke was with the, the reason it was even more funny, besides the fact that she's laying out nine bajillion sandwiches um, for three people, is that it was actually pancakes. Like she thought it was pancakes? No, she thought it was sandwiches, but they're actually pancakes. Like in the original one. Oh, I, I always thought it was pancakes. sandwiches. Like no, in every. I, 
in every maybe, like bootleg I've seen, it's always been sandwiches. And maybe it was, and I just yeah. I felt like it was pancakes. But well, because be, for the I mean, getting into fun fact territory for those that don't yes, know, tell me some fun facts. The there was a song in the second stage production and previous workshops um, called Costco, which we can, which <laughs> is on the internet, and we can it put it in the, the show notes. And it is it is a wild wild song and it's basically about diana going to costco and having a a, a manic episode a during yeah. yeah during the yeah her trip at costco and it's it, there are moments that are funny but they realized quickly that the audience was kind of turned off by that and um that they I th- a lot of they talked about how like it was just confusing and it didn't really make mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. and so they need they decided when they wrote just another day which is the opening number they put it earlier in the show and made it make a little more sense yeah i mean you um, open in on that scene yeah. and you're kind of still confused but then you, you mm-hmm. get it you understand yeah. you're like oh well they shit. cut right away to the doctor like that's like the next scene yeah. so i think something after like that. natalie but, i think natalie yeah. sings yeah, yeah, yeah everything else oh so good uh yes i do have i the, you know i tried to scour the internet for fun facts for this show and it's not i guess it's just not a fun fact show um <laughs> i will say the there was there's no i think they said so they talked about this in that interview i was referencing they there's only like three or four songs from the original original workshop of the show and one Isn't of them is i dreamed to dance that that song was mm. in the original original production they always um, saw it, and and um, Tom Kitt talks about how Brian Yorkie sent him lyrics, and he pretty much wrote it in like fifteen minutes. Like inspired, literally. <laughs> I know, inspired. I know. Isn't that crazy? That song is amazing. It's just crazy. Yeah, I think yeah. It, the the testament to the show that the fact that there's only a few songs from the original. Yeah. is once again a testament of how important they wanted this to be and how mm-hmm. how they wanted it to actually mean something to the audience. And yeah. the, the show probably could have been amazing without all of those rewrites. It could have been good, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is great. Like, And this yeah. is when I say... Like, this is this, Pulitzer Prize winning. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, I, I know I have two more, but I'm trying to remember my second one. But anyway, my I should have written it down because I wrote down this one. So we'll see if it comes to me. But um, another one I had was this. This is so cool. This is like really really cool. So Aaron Tveit and Michael Grave, um, during the Broadway production. I don't know if they did this in other productions, but Aaron Tveit talks about in the Stars in the House episode about how, um he feels like his character every time there's a new character that he's around a new character he's kind of the manifestation of their their what they're feeling yeah and so the color of gabe's t-shirts would match the character he was influencing at the time of the show so isn't that insane yeah yeah it's just so cool. So every so the costume in the show is pretty, you know, generic suburban mid, you know, 2010, but then he would pretty much Gabe would pretty unless you know, like I dreamed to dance he's like wearing a tux, but he would pretty much wear t-shirts. And so each time he interacted with a different character it was a different color and that that is so cool. I love little details like that. It's I love like it. it's almost like the Bridgerton colors. <laughs> 
<laughs> for those I just binge Bridgerton. Wow. And it's like that. It's it's exactly <laughs> like that. Yeah. We're merging all the worlds. Okay, but wait. Yeah. As we, let's mm-hmm. just quickly since we're since we're doing this. Yeah. Jonathan Bailey. As Gabe. Well, he's too old now. No, he could do it. We could make <laughs> Listen, it he's too, he's pretty much too old for Fiero, but they they're doing it anyway. So. <laughs> Why like, are you even even in the even in the Kennedy Center production, the guy who played Gabe was like seventeen. So, uh, listen yeah. to me. Listen yeah. to my voice. I mean, it would be it would be good. What about the guy who plays Colin? He could play. Uh, yeah. He has a great voice. He sang in <laughs> he season one. He does have one. a great voice. Yeah. He no, does. he has a yeah. great voice. Yeah. Also, okay. I do want to say we didn't talk about this in the Tony Awards, but Jennifer Damiano should have won the Tony. Also, I just want to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and Antivate wasn't even nominated. So he wasn't nominated. yeah, yeah. That's what a what which a, is what what are they doing? When I say yeah. wild, yeah. I mean yeah. just yeah. wild. Yeah. He it took him, you know. Over ten years to get to get a win, and then he was nominated by himself. So God bless. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I love Aaron. Rachel. Thank you for having this next to normal uh, discussion, thank you. guys. Thank if you. you don't know this show, please check it out. Okay. Yeah, I'm right after this. Yeah. I'm gonna be. That's yeah. what I'm doing the rest that's of the what night. We're listening. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. All right, Rachel. Let's talk about character of the week. Let's do it. We're we're into turkey time. We're almost to Thanksgiving. You're right. It yep. is November. When he says almost to Thanksgiving, we've got like three more weeks, two and a half more weeks. I mean, so I don't listen. Know what he's talking about. We're we're closer than we were last week. I mean, one yeah. one week at a time. I just got to say, as of recording this, which is very very early compared to when this episode drops and um i went to a store today and there was lots of christmas and thanksgiving stuff so i was like listen i love christmas but is it a little too early i don't know not when november's around so yeah i feel it yeah well this is a segment (laughs) (laughs) where taylor and i pick a theater character like we're feeling Mm-hmm. Uh, like for this week, so we think how we've yeah. been feeling, what have we been up to, have we gone into a store and there's holiday things, and if so, what kind of uh, yeah. character would also exactly. have that same? What kind of character of would put on Christmas music in October? Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we would love to hear your thoughts. Listen about next to normal, about um, Jonathan Bailey playing Gabe. Who knows? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> About uh, Aaron Tveit getting snubbed at the 2009 Tony Awards. Completely um, snubbed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, we would love to hear what your characters are this week. Guys, tell us your characters. Comment on our social media pages. Tell us who you are this week, and you may get a shout out on a future episode. Rachel, who is your character this week? Could I draw it out even longer? Who is your character? (laughs) Well, this week, we're gearing up for elections. They're going to happen tomorrow. (laughs) Yay, our favorite time of the year. (laughs) either terrible or exciting for you. The election of 1800. (laughs) It's happening. Um, And it's not the Tony voting. So, big sad on that. But, you know, I was just thinking right now, as of recording... (laughs) 
there's some turbulence in this country <laughs> in their electoral process. Mm-hmm. And I also just think there's a lot of turbulence in our own electoral process in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. And that reminds me of this person who just wants the good old days back. He just mm. wants mm-hmm. he wants he wants it all. He just wants to have everyone come back home. He wants to have them all invite them over and, and specifically I'm surprised this some, isn't this isn't Ursula I, I want the good times back <laughs> yeah well he just he wants to give them all some tea and so oh, yeah. you know I feel a little bit like that not really not really but just you know I feel sometimes like man I just wish it were simpler even though mm. I don't have the same ideology as this man so that's mm. okay but today I am King George Ooh, from Hamilton yes you'll be back yeah yeah yeah, exactly. Rachel, you should dress up as King George for Halloween. Not that this is I coming mean, out this after, is after Halloween. <laughs> Can I dress up as King George? Not for that we're recording day. this before Halloween, but <laughs> yeah. But you'd be a great King George. I just, I just want to put that out I there. I agree. I think I would be a strong, strong dream, dream roles episode two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Strong candidate. Perfectly in my vocal range. Anyway, yes, um, Taylor, who are you that. this week? What, I'm gonna, what character are you? I'm going to put your tea in the Boston Harbor. That's all I'm going to oh. say. Wow. Um, <laughs> whatever that means. Take it as you will. Um, this week I'm feeling, listen, uh, uh, coinciding with the musical that we discussed next to normal, I am one of the characters from this show. I'm feeling kind of like the per you know he this character is kind of you know the person that brings everyone together i feel like this time of the year thanksgiving you know everyone's just bringing the family together trying to get us to you know talk about all our memories and all of that you know song of forgetting and i'm a dan goodman from (laughs) yeah it's gonna be good although a next normal cat smash up let's say um yeah. i'm here for it sing the song it. of memory, <laughs> yeah. memory yeah so all along in the dan goodman have, question mark <laughs> i mean yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah you yeah. can be king george i'll be dan goodman i love that <laughs> 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 if you guys Quality. would like to join in on our discussion on this incredible musical again instant classic absolutely. check out Check us out at theaternerdpod.com or you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. Those socials at theaternerdpod and on Facebook at theaternerdpodcast. Thank you all for joining us and we'll see you next week. We need it's gonna be some good. light. <laughs> First of all.